Tonight, are you not down with the radical transgender revolution? Well, watch what you say, otherwise the police might come a-calling. It's Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. I'm David Menzies, and this is The Ezra Levent Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Say, folks, have you heard the new whiz-bang saying for 2022 and likely beyond? It goes like this. If it's trans, it's good. And if it's good, it's trans. I speak not of trans fats nor transcontinental railways, but rather transgenderism. Make that radical transgenderism, actually. Now, full disclosure, I'm a huge proponent of freedom, a concept that is continually under attack these days or in the words of wannabe conservative leader Jean Charest, something that is, you know, overrated. So in the name of freedom, I take no issue with those who want to go through life pretending to be the other sex. Thus, if an adult wants to take hormone shots and slice and dice their genitalia and wear the clothes of the opposite gender, hey, happy Halloween, 365 days a year, I suppose. But I think the vast majority of the population draws the line where I do when it comes to the transgender community, which is to say tolerance and acceptance is one thing, but affirmation and applause is quite another. Indeed, why should it be incumbent upon all members of society to collectively don a cheerleader's uniform complete with pom-poms and cheer on those who decide to transition? giving them a big standing O for their gender-bending ways. Look, if that 300-pound bearded dude wants to go through life wearing a miniskirt and demands that he be addressed as Tinkerbell, she, her, this is not an achievement. On the contrary, it might be an indicator of mental illness. More on that later, by the way. However, if that person invents a cure for cancer or develops an engine that will deliver 200 miles to the gallon, then I'll applaud, regardless of that person is a daily cosplay enthusiast who identifies as an asexual, gender-fluid spirit unicorn. And yeah, I'm looking at you here, Busty Lemieux. See, in my book, it's all about merit rather than gender identification. Oh, and there's another caveat I subscribe to when it comes to transgender acceptance. As I go through life minding my own business, can you folks in the radical transgender community do likewise? Which is to say, can you kindly keep your trans hands off our children? Because given that the current motto of the progressive left these days is, if it's good, it's trans, and if it's trans, it's good, This has really emboldened the radical elements in the trans community to press their agenda in the most despicable fashion imaginable, namely trying to convince even elementary age children that the solution to their woes, be they real or imagined, is to transition into the opposite sex. Now, in yesterday, if little Laura liked to climb trees and play with toy cars as opposed to Barbie dolls, She was what was known as a tomboy, and she'd most likely grow out of this phase. Today, little Laura is not a tomboy, but a candidate for gender reassignment surgery, and the sooner the better. This is truly beyond the pale, but the indoctrination continues because, well, once again, 
If it's trans, it's good. And if it's good, it's trans. And if you all have a problem with that, then obviously you are a transphobe. And that's even worse than being a racist or a sexist or maybe even worse than an Islamophobe. And so it is that the progressives now espouse the marketing mantra of those advertising companies on Madison Avenue, namely, get them young and get them forever, a slogan that applies as much to pitching a brand of beer as it does to embracing woke ideology. For example, a few years ago, somebody thought it was a jolly good idea to stage something called Drag Queen Storytime. No, not at a gay bar with an adult clientele, but rather at an elementary school or a library in front of impressionable minors. Question, how did this even become a thing? How did anyone think that it was a good idea for children to be exposed to a man pretending to be a grotesque caricature of a woman? And really, what's the purpose other than a perverse form of gender-bending shock and awe? Indeed, those in the radical transgender movement and their enablers in general society, ranging from librarians to school principals, don't seem to subscribe to age appropriateness when it comes to gender bending. How supremely odd. We have age benchmarks when it comes to the purchase of liquor and lottery tickets and fireworks. You have to be 16 to get a driver's license. You have to be 18 to vote. But it's never too early to undergo butchery to identify as the opposite gender? What rational thinking person subscribes to this mindset? And if drag queens are allowed into schools and libraries to entertain kids, well, why not invite 100% biological female strippers in too? No, really, seriously, what's the difference? Look, I'm just trying to figure out the rules here, folks. I'm trying to figure out who's who in the sexual zoo, because quite frankly, I'm completely baffled. And then there is the contentious issue of mental illness. I think back to a column in the National Post some five years ago by Susan Bradley, who was a consultant child psychiatrist, formerly chief of psychiatry at the Hospital for Sick Children and head of child and adolescent psychiatry at the University of Toronto. Now, Bradley referenced a column in Crisis Magazine written by Elsie Earnhardt entitled, Has the Transgender Movement Gone Too Far? Earnhardt notes how the transgender movement began as activism for the rights of a tiny number of people who were uncomfortable with their biological gender. But these days, she says trans activism has evolved into an ideo ideological movement to normalize the practice of changing genders. But in the process, she says the trans movement has crossed ethical lines with a very vulnerable segment of young people struggling with issues of gender identity. In particular, Earnhardt addresses the aggressive approach by adult trans activists in recruiting adolescents with Asperger's syndrome or other types of autism. Notably, Earnhardt herself has Asperger's, and typically among Asperger's girls in their adolescence, she preferred the company of boys due to the bullying she experienced from other girls. Citing a social media campaign featuring the hashtag autistic trans pride, she understands why Asperger's and other autistic adolescents believe they are transgender when in fact they are not. 
In short, these adolescents are told that they are a girl trapped in a boy's body or vice versa. And many parents buy into this completely unscientific hypothesis. Now, two points, folks. One, do you find this trend downright terrifying? And secondly, could such a column even be published today in the National Post without the usual suspects who comprise the cancel culture woke left? Indeed, because these days, even members of law enforcement are being used to crack down on transgender wrong thought, which is to say, if you don't subscribe to, if it's good, it's trans, and if it's trans, it's good, then shut the hell up or face arrest? Check out this recent story in the National Telegraph penned by Wyatt Claypool. Quote, Yesterday, a woman was unjustly arrested by police in Gravenhurst, Ontario, for protesting on the sidewalk outside of a Halloween-themed drag queen event taking place in a church. The family event was billed as the Hallow Queen and Pump King Spooktacular and was hosted at the Gravenhurst Trinity United Church by Muskoka Pride, which involved both drag performances and drag story time. Crystal Peters, the woman who was arrested outside of the building, was standing with a couple of other protesters when she was confronted by two police officers who accused her of trespassing and told her that she cannot prove the event was inappropriate for children because she had not been inside. At the same time, the officers denied the ability for Peters or any of the other protesters to enter the church's premises. In the face of the officers attempting to shut down the small protests, Peters declared that I am protesting grown adults who want to dress in lingerie and dance around children. We have a whole country, a whole nation filled with children who do not know whether they are boys or girls because of activities like this. And it is up to us adults to stand up and to protect these children. To stand on Muskoka Pride side is wrong, and for them to hold it in a church is wrong. After Peter stands for basic human decency, one officer accuses her and the other protesters of blocking the entrance to the church, which the woman proves to be nonsense by turning her camera towards the church's entrance, showing a completely clear path into the building. The officer then counters with the ridiculous claim that the protesters do not know what is going on in the church despite public Facebook posts advertising the drag event. Then, after more back and forth between the protesters and the police officers, the officers then walk into the church briefly before walking back and arresting the woman filming for swearing, which supposedly constitutes a public disturbance, end quote. Oh, and if you think this is a matter of he said, she said, folks, well, let's check out the video evidence, shall we? To protect the public and to keep things peaceful. Okay. And well, you can go on your way. And right? thus, no, no, sir, thus far, thus far, this or this protest is the only thing that's unpeaceful. You guys are trespassing. We are totally peaceful. Nobody is trespassing. We're stating our point of view. You're trespassing on the property. Yeah, you're well, engaging we're on with public property. You're welcome. She came out and engaged with us. You're welcome to have. Okay. She, 
Ma'am, you're entering the church. I did not enter the church. Somebody from your your protest entered the church. I didn't. I just happened to be driving by. I understand. However, you're trespassing on the property, and you're not able to do that. If you would like to peacefully protest, you can't impede individuals from going in, and you can't be trespassing on the property. Also, same thing with no swearing. It's a public place. Not engaging in an inappropriate. No swearing isn't against the law. It is in a public place, sir. No, it's not. Yes, it, yes, it is. <coughs> so the adults that are in there provocatively dressed around minors, that's not an offense? Ma'am, I don't believe that you've been in there, so I don't think you can attest to what they Well, apparently, according to you, I'm not allowed in there, which is a public church. In this manner, you're protesting on an office. I'm protesting growing adults who want to dress in lingerie and dance around children. We have a whole country, a whole nation filled with children who do not know whether they are boys or girls because of activities like this. And it is up to us adults to stand up and to protect these children. To stand on their side in front of them is morally wrong. It is wrong. And for them to hold it in a church is wrong. Nobody's blocking. Look at the entrance is wide open. Nobody's blocking the entrance. You guys should be outraged for what's going on right now. You should be outraged. Ma'am, you're making assumptions. You just stated that you don't know what's going on in there. I know exactly what's going on in there. You have seven drag queens in there that are around children. Seven drag queens that are around children carving pumpkins, having drag story time. This is. This is it's advertised about, as, as um, pumpkin carving for kids. Queen, and yeah. drag queen a drag queen event. I warned you that swearing in a public place. So now you're arresting me? You're under arrest. You're putting me under arrest. For cause Excuse disturbance. me, I'm not You're pleasant. swearing and yelling in a public place. Okay, no problem. You've been warned multiple times. Where's my keys out of my pocket? 10-4, rubber ducky. So what's Gee, what sort of a church would temporarily pretend to be a gay bar, albeit one that turns a blind eye to age restrictions? Well, that would be the United Church, of course. Membership in the United Church of Canada, which was created nearly a century ago by the merger of four mainline Protestant churches, peaked at 1.1 million in the 1960s, according to Statistics Canada. Official reports in 2018 show the United Church has 388,000 members with about 121,000 regularly attending services. So in other words, United Church membership has plummeted by more than 60%, and of those remaining members, less than one-third of that sum actually go to church on Sunday. This is a dying church, most likely because it has drifted so far away from, you know, the tenets of Christianity. And it would seem that the solution for its membership crisis is to double down on wokeness. The end result, alas, is that the United Church is really just a church in name only. But there's plenty of blame to go around when it comes to a church reimagining itself as a strip club. For instance, what sort of a parent would be okay with bringing an elementary school-age child to such a venue in the first place? 
I mean, where's the Children's Aid Society when you really need them? But the really disturbing thing for me is the Ontario Provincial Police acting as the Gestapo for the United Church, arresting someone for what? Swearing in public? Protesting on a sidewalk? Those aren't crimes. And if they are now classified as quasi-crimes, well, listen up all you freedom fighters toting around those F. Trudeau flags in Ontario. Be warned, the OPP might come a-calling. Alas, being harassed by stupid cops who clearly do not know the law, they are sworn to uphold as a matter of deja vu for yours truly. Back in May 2021, Sid Fizard and I went to Elmer, Ontario to do a story regarding the Church of God. Now, the Church of God and its pastor, Henry Hildebrandt, were being continually harassed by everyone from bylaw and police officers to Antifa types. And when we arrived at our destination, lo and behold, the Almer trans community, population two, by the way, was staging a protest across the street from the church on public land. I decided to interview the various he, hims, and she, hers. And apparently I must have asked an impolite question or two along the way because the trans folk they called the Elmer police? Oh, yeah, check it out. Well, good, sir. How about yourself? Just mind leaving them alone, okay? They don't want you talking to them, so could you just move on? Uh, here, why don't we go behind here? Well, let's go over here. Well, no, wait a second. Well, I'm sorry. No, no, I, I'm sorry. No, no. They don't want you to talk to them, okay? So yeah, they're in, a public, they're in a public place, officer, so I will talk to them. Please move out of the way. I'm losing my okay, I'm patience. I'm moving out of the way right now. Five times, okay? Okay. I'm standing in the roadway. I don't want to get hit by a car. So please well, here, come over here, officer. What is the crime I'm committing right now? What is the crime I'm I'm not obstructing you. Please move out of the way, okay? Um, I am here asking for order to leave these people alone. You're telling me you're not going to. So if you don't follow my directions, get your microphone out of my face. I, you came to me, sir. Yes. Okay. Asking you to move back out of the way. Okay, well, Are as far as I know, the practice of journalism is not illegal yet. So, unless I'm mistaken, you can write me this up for a ticket. Happen, okay, Mr. Menzies, okay. you're going to leave this area. I've asked you not to harass these people. If you come back and you speak with them, you will be arrested for... I am on a public piece of land. You have no right whatsoever to make I, me leave this area. I, I do have a right to, to okay. allow can you... Can you quote me the law, sir? Okay, yeah, criminal harassment, okay? Criminal They've asked harassment? you to, to not speak with them and not to bother I'm them. I'm conducting journalism, sir. You are arrestable for that. I am arrestable for harassment? Is yeah. he not able to answer the questions? The uh, course of my duties to inform you that you are not to harass people. That's why I'm here speaking with you. Okay, then you're going to write me a ticket for harassment. I didn't say that I'm going to write you a ticket. Okay, I told so you I'm trying to figure out what... These people alone, or you're going to get arrested for criminal harassment. And I know you don't believe in freedom of the press. Can you stand there and be quiet? Okay. No, I will not be quiet. Then you will be arrested if you approach... These arrested people. for talking. Is that what we're into now? And asking questions is harassment? They if they don't want to, yes, and absolutely. Really, can I see the criminal code violation that spells that out? Yeah, anybody has a right to not be harassed, okay? So okay, you, and, uh, and, and move away from me. Please get the microphone out of my face, okay? What is the benchmark of harassment? Uh, anybody that doesn't want to be harassed, okay? Please move out of the way. I've told you. To I think you're harassing me, officer. How sad that officers dumb and dumber have A, no appreciation for the independent free press, and B, do not even know the law, being on a public place, asking queries of demonstrators is not criminal harassment. But it would appear that members of law enforcement have been told by their superiors that 
You guessed it. If it's trans, it's good. And if it's good, it's trans. And that hurt feelings meet the benchmark these days for criminal charges. But what is really going on here? I would argue that radical transgenderism is a strategy being used by those who embrace a Marxist agenda. Marxism is all about breaking down the status quo and building up what remains into a communist utopia, except for one little hitch, as the deaths of some 100 million people under communism over the decades has proven, Marxism, much like the 1970 Ford Pinto, might look good on paper, but in reality, this tyranny is an utter disaster. Indeed, let's rewind the clock back a decade, say. No, actually, let's just turn it back five years ago. What if I told you then that in the near future that I was going to create a movement that would cast doubt on the validity of a proven proof, in this case, that there are two sexes, male and female? What if I said to you back then my plan was to make people doubtful what a woman is? that even a female U.S. Supreme Court justice would not be able to define the word woman. Would you have believed this could be achieved? And in such a short time, no less? And yet, here we are, folks, thanks to woke politicians and activists and their useful idiots in the mainstream media, the dog is being wagged by the tail the vast majority are being dictated to by mad Marxists and mentally ill people in the radical trans community, individuals who think it is perfectly reasonable to recruit minors into their fold. Do you think maybe it's time to push back? Do you think it's time to stand up to this insanity? Or in the name of political correctness and wokeism and cancel culture, Will we continue to bend the knee and lose this battle, a battle that will claim far too many children as casualties? Well, folks, this just in regarding the ongoing Emergencies Act inquiry in Ottawa, we now have further confirmation that the Justin Trudeau Liberals were never acting in good faith when it came to negotiating with the rank-and-file members of the Freedom Convoy. Indeed, it turns out that the federal government was keen to promote the narrative that the trucker convoy was Canada's version of January 6th, that an insurrection was afoot. That's hogwash, of course, but... Just consider the text conversation in which Mary Liz Power of the Prime Minister's office said there might be an opportunity for Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino to, quote, get in on this growing narrative, end quote, of the convoy truckers being, quote, extreme, end quote. Yeah, extreme insurrectionists. Is that what you call peaceful protesters who erected bouncy castles and a hot tub on Wellington Street? Oh, all those kids bouncing around, all that bubbling, steamy water. Oh, the horror, the horror. And joining me now with more on this story is Spencer Fernando, the head honcho at SpencerFernando.com. Hey, how you doing there, Spencer? 
Not too bad. Yourself? I'm doing great. You know, Spencer, so many angles to unpack here, but what stands out for me is that the federal liberals seemed hell-bent to not let a good crisis go to waste, as the old saying goes. Just one hit, Spencer, as you know, there was no crisis to begin with. So what's your takeaway regarding the Trudeau government's plans to demonize the Freedom Convoy even before it arrived in Ottawa? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the, the narrative they've tried to push is that, oh, we, we had no choice but to use the Emergencies Act. It was a last, you know, last ditch resort. You know, there's nothing we could do. The situation got so bad. And the fact that they were already calling, you know, the, the Freedom Convoy extremists before it got there, as you say, getting in, in their words on the narrative that the media was pushing, it just shows that they had their end game kind of thought out ahead of time. Like they were always going to try to make it look like, um, you know, January 6th. They were always going to try to make it look extreme and they were always going to try to use it to, to, to uh, justify expanding government power. So, you know, the idea that they were ever acting in good faith and that they were ever really willing to listen to other people is, is you know, obviously, you know, absurd. And what's so unfortunate about it is, you know, the at one point, Justin Trudeau, before the 2021 election, said, you know, Canada is not a country that mandates vaccinations. You know, he didn't seem to want to divide Canadians down those lines. And then the second they got worried about an election, you know, their poll numbers weren't looking good. He decided to divide the country. And even after the election, he decided to keep pushing with that division and obviously drove so many people to the point where they felt they had no choice but to go and protest. And so at, at each step of the way, he's chosen to escalate and, you know, push people to be angrier and divide people more and more. And then he goes in there and talks about, oh, division's a real threat in this country and Canadians need to be united. And uh, it's just the hypocrisy is just absurd. No, indeed, as the saying goes, physician, heal thyself. But you know, Spencer, you, you brought up um, the inquiry. And of course, the reason for the inquiry is the invocation of the Emergencies Act. And it's an automatic that an inquiry does follow when it comes to the Emergencies Act. Here's the thing, of all the people that are going to testify, I just can't wait to see Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino take the stand because he has said repeatedly and over and over again that law enforcement asked the government to invoke the act. We have no evidence. We have everyone from the Ottawa Police Service to the RCMP saying, not us. So either Marco Mendicino is shockers lying or there is some... I don't know, remote police force somewhere that advised the government to invoke the act. What are your thoughts on that? Well, today you have Brenda Lucky saying that, oh, she doesn't know why she sent a message talking about, uh, you know, showing retroactive, you know, police and authority support for using the Emergencies Act. So obviously they're trying to get their story all lined up and it's not working for them. And so, yeah, I think you're, you're right. He's going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, he also has talked about needing the Emergencies Act because of the threat of arson. Um, you know, the, the supposed story of someone from the Freedom Convoy trying to set an apartment on fire, which, of course, the police repeatedly have said did not turn out to be the case. And he repeated it after the police said that wasn't the case. He still went out and repeated it. And so what I think it shows you is the just the fact that they're they still don't really have their story together and they're just flailing around. They're trying to, you know, you, you notice how they're shifting away from from saying, oh, this is a real national emergency to saying, oh, well, a lot of the protesters, you know, said things that we disagree with. And they, they said some things that, you know, a lot of Canadians may not like. 
And of course, that's not the, the standard for invoking the Emergencies Act. It's not just that some protesters have opinions that some people don't like. I mean, then the standard that could be used you know, by anybody. And, you know, the, the one thing that a lot of liberals, you know, I see supporting what the what the uh, Trudeau government did. The one thing they're not thinking of is what are the long term consequences to the country of you know lowering the bar for the use of emergency government powers? I mean, you have in B.C. right now, people setting RCMP vehicles on fire you know, uh, messing around with pipelines and, you know, acts that you could certainly, you could certainly say, oh, well, this is a threat to Canada's national energy infrastructure. You know, the Emergencies Act should be invoked and we should go arrest those people. So I think you, you, as a country, you need to be very careful about lowering the threshold for invoking such draconian powers. And a lot of liberals seem to just assume they're going to be in power forever, which in a democracy obviously is not the case. No, that's a good point, Spencer. And I mean, I think back to just, well, 10 minutes before COVID hit, you had those rail blockades, mostly by natives across Canada. It was doing hundreds of millions of dollars in economic damage. It was, you know, really hurting people's daily lives. And that went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And there was no consideration of the Emergencies Act for something that you could argue was more of a genuine emergency than what happened on Wellington Street. But I got to ask you, uh, Spencer, the perverse sidebar that's going on right now with the inquiry is Doug Ford's reluctance uh, to go there. He seems downright terrified. I'm wondering if you have any insight into what might be making the premier so timid to take the stand. I mean, after all, he he said he stands shoulder to shoulder with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. If you can think back to February, do you think that the federal government was justified in using the Emergencies Act to lift the occupation of downtown Ottawa? Well, we have some of the top officials with the OPP testifying. And uh, yes, I, I stood shoulder to shoulder with the, the Prime Minister. Uh, the, these uh, folks were, were, you know, camping out everything from whirlpools, disrupting downtown, disrupting the lives of the people of Ottawa. Uh, we've worked collaboratively with, with the mayor and the, the, the prime minister over at the borders. They were holding up a billion dollars of trade every single day getting across our borders. We were getting phone calls from governors. It's unacceptable. Uh, myself and, and I know the prime minister believe in free speech. And if you want to protest, protest. If you want to come down to Queen's Park and do cartwheels. But if you disrupt the lives of the people of Ottawa every single day, disrupt the lives of economic flow across our borders, I have zero tolerance for it. Thank you. Who, by the way, earlier today threw Doug Ford under the bus by saying he stands with the teachers unions. But using the notwithstanding clause to suspend workers' rights um, is wrong. I know that that collective bargaining negotiations are sometimes difficult, but it has to happen. It has to be done in a respectful, thoughtful way at the bargaining table. Uh, the suspension of people's rights is something that you should only do in the most exceptional circumstances, and I really hope that uh, all politicians call out the uh, overuse of the notwithstanding clause to suspend people's rights and freedoms. Nevertheless, Spencer, what is your take on why Ford seems so downright terrified to go to Ottawa. I think for him, it's very political. I think he's kind of trying to have it both ways. He's trying to, you know, not talk about the convoy too much. When he does, he tries to, you know, say he supported the federal government. Uh, but he doesn't really want to say that too often. He doesn't want too many clips of him saying that because he knows a lot of his base supported the Freedom Convoy, 
So I think the last thing he wants is to have, you know, hours and hours of clips of him either were they taking a position either way, either if he's talking about, you know, fully supporting that kind of action. A lot of people in his own party won't like it. And if he talks about uh, if their evidence comes out that he was actually opposed to it, then people will question, okay, well, if you were opposed to it, why are you saying something different now? I'm not sure that's the case, but obviously they're very concerned. So I think he just kind of wants it to go away. He, he thinks, oh, you know, I got reelected. Uh, that, that's all in the past. Let's move on from it. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, there's obviously something they're very concerned about. And I think, you know, I think it's really a political issue for him. I think he's, he's tried to kind of walk the line and, and, you know, keep both, you know, some in his, you know, voter coalition liked the use of the act. A lot of people didn't. And he's trying to, you know, keep those people together. And I don't think he wants uh, hours and hours of clips of him, you know, talking about it because some, some stuff that's going to come out that's going to anger, you know, either side. Yeah, I think you might be right, Spencer. I, I think maybe, too, that back in the day-to-day -day dealings with the Freedom Convoy, maybe Premier Ford uh, had some conversations, uh, wrote some memos, uh, engaged in text messaging with all the material he was assuming at the time would always be private. And maybe mm -hmm. some of that is really sensitive or and or embarrassing material and he just wants to uh clamp it down let me ask you spencer uh, uh, we've had almost two weeks of uh testimony so far at the emergencies act inquiry what to you was the most um, shocking the most surprising the most revealing moment in all the testimony you've seen to date yeah i think it would have to be um the, the what we're talking about today, a uh, member of the PMO talking to Medicino staff. And I think the reason it's the most shocking is just because it shows how just the complete absence of good faith from the Liberal government and how, how much it goes against the narrative. You could also include the fact that every, uh, every police official has said that they didn't ask for it. And most of them have said that there's no, uh, there was no need for it. And, you know, they had plans to get tow trucks without the Emergencies Act. They had a plan to deal with it without it. And, you know, but, you know, before it even began, I, I talked about how I think both sides are going to find enough from the inquiry to basically stick to their original positions. I think that's still largely the case. You know, we've seen, you know, Trudeau get away with so many scandals. His uh, supporters tend to stick with him. So I don't see, you know, him losing too much support. And Jagmeet Singh, of course, as we know, is completely sold out. So he said, even if the liberals are found to use it improperly, he's not going to remove them from power or, or get out of their coalition or pact or whatever he's calling it. But uh, I think the, the question will be, does it just erode, you know, the, the average kind of voter in the middle who can maybe will vote liberal, maybe vote conservative? Does it erode their trust in the liberals? Does it does it start to concern them? Not just that Trudeau is often naive and you know too far to the left for a lot of people, but the fact that he acted in such an authoritarian way, the fact that the government has been quite dishonest about it. He's already about 30, 32, 33 percent of the polls doesn't really ever get above that. And so if he loses two, three, four percent more people who say, you know what, this this guy, you know, he, he lied to the country. He used authoritarian powers. He shut down people's bank accounts and he can't even be honest about it afterwards. Then I think you could see some some long term damage to them. But the idea that they're going to lose a massive amount of support over it, I, I don't think is going to happen. Politics in this country right now is too polarized for any any huge shift. So it's going to be uh, the long term effect and the long term erosion that uh, I'll be looking for. I, I think, Spencer, when push comes to shove, whenever the election is, I think the downfall of the Liberals is just going to be the economy. What we're seeing mm -hmm. at the gas pump, at the grocery store, uh, grocery stores, um, the uh, 
interest rates rising. Uh, typically, any government of any political stripe, when it's the economy going off the rails, uh, that spells doomsday. But we shall see. And I, I'm glad you brought up Jagmeet Singh with his words and actions. It almost seems to be he's got a sinister agenda to make the NDP completely irrelevant. I mean, um, you know, it is incredible that he would say such a thing even before those statements in the inquiry were made. But one last question for you, Spencer, before we leave. Um, what is your, I guess, analysis of the media's behavior? And when I say that, the mainstream media, they seemed so gung-ho in following that federal government narrative that this is our uh, January 6th, these are insurrectionists, uh, or do you have a different take than I? No, I think that's true. And I think part of it is the media just, uh, much of it is just lazy. And there's a lot of hardworking reporters, even in the outlets I, I don't appreciate. There are a lot of hardworking reporters, but the overall attitude of setting the narrative has become so lazy. And so it's not, there's no nuance. It's not, hmm, maybe, the fact that this protest in Canada began due to vaccine mandates and the mandate on truckers and not uh, an election as it was in the States, maybe that makes it a completely different story. But no, no, they'll just say, oh, well, there's a big protest of people who don't like uh, a government and they're outside of a uh, outside of the capital or outside of the, the main government building in the capital city. So it's the same thing. We'll just cover the same thing. We'll call it an insurrection. And so it's just it's just lazy. And, and the other part is it fits into a pattern that we often see uh, too much in Canada, where everything that happens here, we just filter through the lens of the United States. We say, how does this match up with the, what's happening in the U.S.? And that's understandable because we're very heavily influenced by them. We're in many ways very similar. We're very close to them. They're close allies. But we need to re realize that, you know, events in Canada are Canadian events. They're not the same as events in the States. And there has to be, I think, a little bit of understanding of the nuance of what's taking place in this country, not just looking for the easiest narrative all the time. No, I think you're right, Spencer. And there's also there, they have subtle ways of putting down the Freedom Convoy. Whenever I'm commuting, I'm listening to mainstream media talk radio. And when they're doing the news reports, they don't refer to the Freedom Convoy as the Freedom Convoy. It's always the so-called mm -hmm. Freedom Convoy. They never say so-called Black Lives Matter, mind you. But it, yeah. it just shows you the, the prevailing double standard and... Uh, Thankfully, we have other sources, your website included, to get the other side of the story. So, Spencer, thank you so much for weighing in on this. Greatly appreciate your time, my friend. No problem. Take care. You too. And that was Spencer Fernando of SpencerFernando.com. Keep it here, folks. More of the Ezra Levent Show to come right after this. Well, folks, lots of feedback regarding my interview with Jim Karahalios and his theories as to why Ontario Premier Doug Ford is so terrified to testify at the Emergencies Act inquiry in Ottawa. Contra writes, It was obvious to anyone with a functioning frontal lobe that Ford was a soy-ass libtard when all this started. The people who called themselves conservatives and voted him back in should feel shame. You know, I'll tell you, talk about the ultimate example of bait and switch when it comes to Ontario politics. I think the rank and file of Ford Nation thought that Doug Ford was just the same 
as his dearly departed brother, Rob Ford. And what we've discovered these past four and a half years is that nothing could be further from the truth. Big Daddy J69 writes, wondering just how much of a kickback Ford is getting. You know what? I have no evidence to suggest there's any shenanigans going on there. But remember, this was the same premier who kept saying, we're all in this together as places like Adamson's Barbecue was shut down and eventually put into bankruptcy. Meanwhile, crown corporations like the LCBO and uh, big companies that had uh, lobbyists working for them, that would be Walmart, they got to stay open. And lo and behold, the Ford family's deco labels, they stayed open. And apparently, business was never better. You know, producing all that signage and those arrows of how to walk in stores. Yeah, so another lie, hey, folks, we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, and the check is in the mail. Frogman2 writes, testifying under oath means Ford can't lie. Hello, McFly, anybody home? <laughs> well, it's either that, that he's afraid of uh, lying on the stand, or maybe it's a matter of there is just simply no good cherry cheesecake in our nation's capital. I can think of nothing else. Well, folks, that wraps up tonight's show. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. The big boss man, Ezra Levant, he'll be back from his travels tomorrow, so you'll get to catch him on Wednesday. In the meantime, stay safe, and as always, stay sane. And there was York Regional Police and Mark Cruisers here, and that person was so brazen to seem to try to attempt something with his vehicle. What do you make of that, sir? Well, I'm not able to comment on an ongoing investigation. Oh, okay. um, I, I can tell you that there's been charges laid. Yes. Uh, if you'd like to make a formal inquest uh, in relation to a media inquiry, you can do that through our media office. Okay. Is our government here in Canada doing enough to support the Iranian people? They say that, yes, but it's not enough. No, we need more. We need more. We are fighting on your behalf, on Canadians' behalf. Canadians have no idea how many terrorists organized sent to Canada by Iranian regime. We are fighting your fight. And I hope Canadians, we are going to be here every Sunday. I hope Canadians join us. This place must be shut down. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Thornhill, Ontario. And folks, I'm back at the scene of the crime, quite literally. Now you can see some demonstrators protesting against this mosque, which allegedly has ties to the Iranian regime and has been accused of money laundering. And they were here last Sunday. We were covering that demonstration as well, but just 15 minutes after we left, well, check this out.
Yeah, so apparently this individual, people suspect, was trying to position his SUV to hop the curb and take out some of the demonstrators. It's absolutely stunning because there was already York Regional Police on site, but the driver did not care. And speaking to the driver, that would be Faraz Al-Najim, 38, of Toronto. And uh, Mr. Al-Najim has a very checkered history when it comes to hatred. Usually, it's all about anti-Semitism for him. He has dressed up as an Orthodox Jew, gone into Jewish areas, and harassed Holocaust survivors, if you can believe it. And uh, he is now pro-Iranian regime, for reasons that escape me. And uh, he was charged last Sunday uh, with dangerous operation of a motor vehicle, flight from police, and weapons dangerous, which is to say he had bear spray in his vehicle. Now, if you can believe it, he only did it one night in the cooler. He was released the next day. Funny that, how Tamara Leach had to do 48 days in jail, but that's another story. In any event, I don't think this guy's learned his lesson. On Saturday, yesterday, there was a large anti-regime uh, demonstration on Young Street, and uh, Al-Najim drove by, and uh, he posted this video on TikTok. Check it out. And uh, as you can see, these people are all lost cases, Munafiqeen, as we call them, is that hypocrites, or they're part of the uh, Munafiqeen Akhelq terrorist organization, well known. As you can see, these guys are wasting their life, wasting their time. And the government of Canada, unfortunately, is empowering them. And that's possibly why they got me arrested the other day, and the police twisted around and turned it all around that Mr. Frost on the gym was driving uh, to hurt the, pro uh, the protesters or something like that in, that in that kind of pretext, okay? That was not the scenario at all. That was not the case at all. It's been altered, it's been manipulated, it's been fabricated, and we will fight it until justice prevails, and we will reform this system. We will reform the system by winning this case and fighting it to the end. Yeah, so you can't teach an old dog new tricks, it would appear. In any event, uh, I'm back here to see if this man will dare show his face, and I'm gonna talk to Nasser Pooley, he is a freedom fighter, a patriot, an outspoken critic of the Iranian regime. He witnessed firsthand last Sunday what happened. Let's see what Mr. Pooley has to say. First of all, I want to talk about his background just a little bit. He had threatened me in the five years ago that he's going to kill and everything else. Prior to the demonstration, he had threatened again the others. At the beginning, he had threatened myself first. Anyway, when we had the demonstration, I was not sure he's going to show up or not, or the crowd or what's going to happen. But I was, my eyes always was on the streets, what's happening. I was standing right by the, by the police station, police officers there over there, by the car that's standing okay. in the south, south of the line, just like this in the south part of it. I saw him coming in the middle line. As soon as I looked at the, he's driving strangely, I looked, I, then I saw his face right from the driver, uh, driver's side. I start yelling at the police, that's him, that's him, that's him. Only thing that came in my mind, what can I do? All I would see at that point, maybe it took a few seconds, but that few seconds for me was years. All I pictured was in my mind, I'm gonna see the dead people 
shot on the streets, blood coming down. That's what it my mind. And even on the other videos, you can see I'm yelling at him. I'm yelling, running to the streets, shouting at him. I'm here. I'm here. If you want to shoot me, I didn't know if they have a gun or not. What they have? The way he threatened me, I was expecting the machine gun. That's what I was expecting. And I am shouting at him. I'm here. I'm here. I'm running after them to the street. And he came from there, turned over the here, fast turn, and people by that time realized something going on. Immediately they moved away from that car. And he, he came, there was nobody in front of him that. And then cars were coming, he couldn't do that. Then he saw, he has to run away. And then he came back, he starts running away. Another gentleman, he's right here. He ran front of his car. At that point, police guys start running towards him. And Nasser, can I ask you, do you think his intention was to hop the curb here and to harm these demonstrators? Definitely, definitely, definitely. He wanted to come to, to the crowd to, uh, to kill a lot of people. What I find amazing is that there were several police here, uh, some in uniform, there are some in marked cruisers, and even with the police presence, this guy was so brazen to potentially stage an attack. I, I can't believe it. Absolutely. We have, he's not the only one, David. I, what we are fighting for here right now in this mosque that you see in here, we are fighting on your behalf, on Canadians' behalf. Canadians have no idea how many terrorists organized sent to Canada by Iranian regime. We are fighting your fight. And I hope Canadians, we are gonna be here every Sunday. I hope Canadians join us. This place must be shut down. And Nasser, I have reached out to the mosque. They won't return my emails. I even reached out to Al-Najim. He hasn't uh, responded. And uh, are you worried that he might come back today because he only spent a night in jail. I am very worried, not for, for myself. I'm very worried for all others that they are here. They wanna, uh, they wanna him and right. They wanna that fascist done, regime done, dictatorship done. I am worried that something is gonna happen. And I'm shocked from the police. They didn't charge him for a hate crime. They didn't charge him for attempted murder. I'm very shocked and I hope police reviews the matter again and they charge him with the hate crime and mur attempted murder for the, in public. And Nasser, what I'm shocked at, well, kind of, is the fact that the mainstream media is completely disinterested in this story. There was barely any coverage in Canadian media to find out about this individual I had to read about him in the Jerusalem Post, for goodness sakes. These people are come with the money, for the money. They are not supporters of Iranian people. They are terrorist supporters. Terrorist supporters, they're terrorists themselves. I remember a Toronto police officer warning me not to use the T word, terrorist, or I was gonna be in trouble. Let's check that clip out. Okay. So I can't call a terrorist a terrorist? You're not, not in this sort of environment, no, you can't, okay? Because that's gonna incite a breach of the peace. So, and that is Canadian law. Am I clear? If I was to call Osama bin Laden a terrorist, that would be against. Please, am I clear? I know you're not clear, sir. I don't. I can't call Osama bin Laden. And it incites a breach of the peace. You will be placed under arrest. Do you terrorist? Oh, what are we going to be arrested for? 
What am I going to be ter- arrested for, sir? Peace. They did a be- very sympathetic piece on this mosque, calling the graffiti on the walls and um, uh, Islamophobic. When, for all we know, the person that did the graffiti might be a Muslim himself. The the graffiti was in Farsi, and it wasn't anti-Muslim. It was anti-regime. Why is it that people in the mainstream media are so stupid? They are, if they, uh, they cover that, but they don't cover when the terror, if they are making a terrorist act towards the people standing in here. Because I don't know why, hopefully they will change their way, but I'm asking from all Canadians, please email the Mr. Trudeau, email parliament members, IRGC, they must be going on the terrorist list. Because if they go, they go to this, all their members are in Canada. They have to be investigated. Right now in our country, we have a lot of, lot of them in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Quebec, Toronto, a lot of them. They have come with millions of dollars in the time that this regime needs. They're going to do a lot of different terrorist acts. Before it's too late, before somebody loses their life, please act now. Don't wait for tomorrow. Act now. They must go ter- terrorist list. And we know hundreds of people have been killed. We know that thousands have been jailed, just like, is his name Tumash? Is that his name, ma'am? Yes, yes, yes. So it's it's a very dangerous thing in Tehran to come out and do a demonstration like you're doing here in Thornhill, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it was a lot of people that came from here and there's uh, Iranian people, Iranian women, they stand up everywhere in, uh, in US, in America, in Canada, Europe, everywhere in the world. And ma'am, the Iranian government yesterday said that Saturday uh, was the last day they would tolerate demonstrations in Iran. If people dare to come out another day in Iran to demonstrate, what do you think is going to happen? Very soon as the Iranian government is going to come down, we're going to bring it down for sure. Because uh, look at this, uh, we don't have this, it's a revolution now. It's not the just, you know, people talk. No, it's a revolution now. Oh, that's pretty interesting. So these intimidation tactics are against the people are not going to work. The people are still going to come out and demonstrate. Of course, of course. The people is perfect. They're going to stand up all the time, for sure. And then until the government is going to come down. Is our government here in Canada doing enough to support the Iranian people? They say that, yes, but it's not enough. No. We need more. We need more. I was just wondering, I I was here last week too, officer, and I was just shocked. We left 15 minutes before that SUV incident, and there was York Regional Police and Mark Cruisers here, and that person was so brazen to seem to try to attempt something with his vehicle. What do you make of that, sir? Well, I'm not able to comment on an ongoing investigation. Oh, okay. um, I, I can tell you that there's been charges laid. Yes. Uh, if you'd like to make a formal inquest uh, in relation to a media inquiry, you can do that through our media office. Okay. All right. Well, you guys stay safe. I thought you really acted bravely and efficiently. It could have been a tragedy last week. So thank that. you so much. You take care. Bye bye. So Nasser, you just pointed out this sign on the other side of the fence at the mosque. And it says, this is a place of worship. 
under supervision of the Canadian government? At least that's what you're saying. It that's says in Farsi. Exactly what it says. It says, in markaz faqat yek makan ibadat va taht nazar dolat Kanadas. This is just a praying place under supervision of the Canadian government. Really? You know, that kind of gives me the creeps because really, uh, as we've seen so many churches locked down and pastors arrested during the COVID lockups, who wants the government at a place of worship in the first place? No, this makes me really upset. They are using Canadian government. Even Canadian government should come there, say, what kind of a sign? When do, uh, if the Canadian government is supporting this, we'd like to know. So, in other words, this is BS. This is not true. Uh, it's definitely BS. Okay, then. So, is this an idea of the mosque? It's trying to portray itself as we're a, a member of Canadian society. There's no wrongdoing here. Everybody's got it wrong about the ties to the regime, the accusations of money laundering, etc. Exactly. This mosque, uh, member of the IRGC members, they have issued a lot of uh, statements saying that if you go to front of the mosque to demonstrate, there's a three to 10 years jail time. This is what they have said to Iranian Canadians that they don't know the laws. And in here, when you see that, obviously that's, they're gonna say, oh, they are right. They issued that and this sign is, it says that true. And I'm asking from Canadian authorities immediately to come to remove this sign. Interesting. Well, I guess that's part of the war, the propaganda front, right? That's the exactly Iranian <laughs> regime is very good at it. Well, folks, here we are at Pearson International Airport, home to the newest merry band of censorious thugs. You see, Pearson wants media people to give them 24 hours notice when they show up to cover a story. They might deny you, they might approve you, who knows? Oh, and they're gonna send an escort along with you, you know, to monitor the questions you're asking. Yeah, sounds pretty Orwellian to me as well. In any event, you know we'd love to give you the other side of the story, the side of the story the mainstream media isn't reporting. So if you can go to rebelinvestigates.com, that's rebelinvestigates.com, and if you can chip in a buck or three, we would greatly appreciate it.